Later, what we will discuss this morning and next Sunday. A couple of questions. We'll come back to more next Sunday than this Sunday. Should we pray for the Lord to heal or fix us in the midst of trials? If no, why not? If yes, how should we pray? What should be our attitude in the midst of trials that we face in life? Can we be content without being healed or having our trial fixed? Do we long for an easy life or to experience abounding, overflowing grace? Why would God let us suffer long term? Let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, reading together verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, reading together verses 7 through 10. Paul says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now Paul clearly states that there was a messenger, a thorn in the flesh, sent by Satan to torment him. Some of the trials we face in life may be physical. We may have a common physical trial, a flu, a cold, no broken bone. Those are common. Given some time, they tend to heal. We might have more extreme. We might have cancer, heart disease, lung disease, some type of kidney disease. And then there's some trials in life that come because of lifestyle choices. It might be eating habits or due to eating habits, maybe physical activity or lack thereof. Or maybe there's an abusive substance. We might also have financial difficulties. Relational trials come and go. And that's tied in with Paul's trial here. We might have a job or school trial. We might have mental struggles at times. We might have emotional difficulties. And then ultimately we go through death, which can be a trial. As we think about 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 7 through 10, I think it is important to take a little time to reflect on some history or some background to this passage. And sometimes we say, why do we need history? Why do we need to remember anything? Well, let's suppose Jeff goes to the doctor, and he has some major issues, and the doctor says, Jeff, we're going to have to do surgery on this bone that you broke to set it and to be sure it's right. He says, we'll wheel you right into surgery. I think Jeff, and if Jeff didn't, Anita would probably say, whoa, doc. 
Will you please consider my medical background? Do you know I have a pacemaker and a defibrillator? No. And Jeff could list a number of other things. And sometimes we go to a portion of scripture and we leap into the passage and we miss along the way. So a little historical background in relation to 2 Corinthians and Paul's ministry in Corinth. Paul's first visit to Corinth was in 50 AD. And that ministry is found in Acts chapter 18. Following that, he wrote a letter, a first letter that we don't have from Ephesus because there was some misunderstanding and the Corinthians apparently misunderstood Paul. Then there was a group of people from Corinth, from the church, including Stephanas, who brought a financial gift to Paul, and that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And then a little later, there's a group of slaves and some other people came and reported to Paul that there are some factions. Some follow Paul, some Peter, some Apollos, and others say they follow Christ. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, probably in 54, 55 AD, to respond to some of the issues that were a problem in the church in Corinth. Paul made it, then made an I'm sorry, emergency visit sometime soon thereafter to Corinth, which did not end well. There was a leading figure in the church that resisted Paul, and the church did nothing. So that put Paul in a difficult position. So Paul sent another, another letter that we don't have, and that was from Ephesus, and it was written out of much affliction and anguish of heart, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4. And Titus would have carried that letter, and the Corinthians responded well to Titus. Then Paul wrote 2 Corinthians. And as he writes 2 Corinthians, he addresses some issues. And a primary issue in 2 Corinthians is the whole issue of apostleship. Is he an apostle? And then later on, Paul made a third visit to Corinth, probably some nine to 12 months after 2 Corinthians may have been written. And it's interesting as you look at history that when you come to the end of the first century, the church in Corinth again had some problems and struggles with divisions. You know, they did well for a while, but then went into some other items. Paul's apostleship, evidence of his apostleship, and attacks on his apostleship are central to understanding 2 Corinthians. Paul's authority was questioned. Is Paul really an apostle? He don't speak well? He's a man of little stature and so on. And in 1 Corinthians 4 and 1 Corinthians 9, the issue of apostleship comes up. But when Paul visited Corinth the second time and confronted a man who was resisting him, that did not go well. 
The church, as I mentioned a moment ago, did nothing. And in the process, Paul was pushed into the background. And the man who resisted, the Paul, resisted Paul was kind of brought to the forefront. In 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 4, it seems to refer to the letter that he wrote about that situation that we don't have today. But then we find that Paul wrote this letter that we don't have. Titus returned and said, the people received you. You're in good terms with them. They're accepting your apostleship. So Paul writes 2 Corinthians, and in it he again addresses apostleship. But in the meantime, what happened then was that Paul's adversaries came to Corinth, influencing the relationship of Paul and of the Corinthians. They said, we have Jewish credentials. So Paul, again, is at odds with the Corinthians because a group of other teachers came and said, we're apostles, follow us. The adversaries of Paul brought another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 4. But Paul attacks a practical theology, one that legitimates apostolic mission on the basis of the open display of rhetorical skill Deeds of power and ecstatic visions. The teachers that came had rhetorical skill. They could speak well. Apparently they did some deeds of power. And apparently were sharing some things about visions. But whatever their message might have been, Paul regards the real danger that they present as lying in the implicit theology that measures God's saving work by outward marks of success. These people who came could present outward success. And Paul says, don't you see that as a danger? And that's been true down through the ages. What do we measure success today in the Christian realm by? We talk about numbers. We want to follow a person who speaks well. Someone wants to raise money, they will say, here's what we have been doing. The focal point of 2 Corinthians is, what are the true marks of an apostle? The life of an apostle And thus the life of the Christian is fundamentally passive. God takes the action. This doesn't mean that it's no response on the part of a believer. But we respond to what God is doing. Paul's life was not purpose-driven, but God-driven. To attempt to measure the work of God by outward and visible standards of human activity is to completely misunderstand that work. 
to attempt to measure the work of God by the outward and visible standards of human activity is to completely misunderstand that work. These people who came, a group of men who came to Corinth, said, we're speaking for God. And Paul says, Corinthians, step back and think. You don't measure God's work by outward success. I have the marks of an apostle. Follow me. They're wrong. And that's tied in with 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The contention of Paul with the Corinthians finally has to do with the profound hermeneutical question as to whether the human being can or has the capacity of recognizing, understanding, and judging the work of God within the world or whether it is the work of God that recognizes and judges the human being. The Corinthians were judging the work of God by outward results, rhetorical ability. And Paul says, no. Paul is defending his apostleship, and part of defending his apostleship is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 13. And keep in mind, a key factor is, in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, is that Paul carried the marks of an apostle. Paul carried the marks of an apostle. I just want to trace a few things through Scripture. In Mark 13, 9 through 11, we find that Jesus is responding. He's discussing the sign of, signs of the ends of the age and so on. And he says to his disciples in verse 9, You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local council and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you're arrested and brought to trial, don't worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is warning the twelve and saying, you can expect some difficulty. And we know in the book of Acts that happened. Go over to John's gospel, John chapter 10. John's Gospel, John chapter 10. Jesus is speaking here, basically in some ways defending himself, explaining himself. The Pharisees had investigated a healing and Jesus responds. And I know we're leaping into the context, but he's talking about a shepherd and the sheep and he's saying he is a good shepherd. Look at verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Good good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Christ later on laid down his life for the sheep. He's the chief shepherd. Paul would have been a shepherd underneath Christ. He was willing to lay down his life. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 through 5. The church in Corinth is divided. And Paul is writing in chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4 of 1 Corinthians to try to deal with those divisions. And he just wraps up chapter 1 with saying, you know, if anyone's got to boast, they've got to boast in the Lord. And then he says in chapter 2 and verse 1, When it came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Notice what he says. I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom. As you study the life of Paul, Paul would not have been a David Jeremiah today, or a Chuck Swindle today, he probably would have been comparable to an average pastor in some far-off place in terms of his ability. He said, I didn't come with eloquence. And there's some other things said about Paul along the way and how some people responded to him. He says, I came with fear and weakness and much trembling. We think of Paul as being a super saint with all kinds of confidence. He says, I came with fear, weakness, and trembling. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Now, how can I say this to get people to respond? If I say it in this way, they might respond. Paul says, I didn't come with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Those who came to Corinth to try to lead the Corinthians astray would have had those wise and persuasive words. They had outward evidence. And Paul says, I didn't have that. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7, beginning with verse 7. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you have all that you want. Already you have become rich. You become kings and without us. How I wish that you had really become kings so that we might be kings with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. We are fools for Christ. But you are so wise in Christ. And there seems to be some sarcasm here, you know, to try to drive home his point. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are on rags. We're brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our hands. 
we are cursed. Or when we are cursed, we blessed. When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have been become the scum of the earth, the refuge, a refuse of the world. Now, Paul is moving into marks of an apostle. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the providence of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, and so help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks in our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Again, indicating pressure beyond the ability to endure so that they despaired of life. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 17. Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. Paul came to Corinth to minister. He was a tent maker. He did not take money from them. So it would be like having someone come to Roaring Brook to spend a couple of weeks with us and to preach and to teach. And we say, what, do, what can we give you? And he says, I don't take any money. None. Again, stands in contrast to the false apostles. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 3. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, Hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, impurity, understanding, patience and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, Genuine, yet regarded as impostors. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Dying, yet we live on. Beaten, yet not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Corinthians, I'm a genuine apostle. I'm your spiritual father. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll pick up reading 
in verse 21. What anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? Referring to those that were trying to lead the Corinthians astray? So am I. Are the Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequent, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And do I not inwardly burn? Corinthians, you're going to follow these men who claim to be leaders, who claim to be speaking the truth? Do they have any evidence of being an apostle? How many times have they been beaten? How many times have they been shipwrecked? How many times have they been in danger? How many times have they been hungry? Paul says, Corinthians, I have the marks of an apostle. It's not my speaking ability. It's not all the results. It's not how good looking I am. It's the marks that I have. In my body. Then he goes into Second Corinthians chapter 12. And he says, now I have another thorn in the flesh. Why do I have this thorn? Because of the revelations that God gave to me. Paul's marks of being an apostle showed that he was genuine. It wasn't his speaking ability, his leadership skills, his large results. The false apostles came to Corinth without physical marks of suffering, without shipwrecks, without being beaten. Paul says, I'm an apostle. Bringing it up to modern day times. Some teacher, preacher moves into our area and comes to Roaring Brook and begins to teach some things that you have not been taught and says, you know, don't follow Pastor Dan, follow me. And this goes on for a period of time. And one Sunday I stand up and I say, congregation, this man is a false teacher. He doesn't have the marks of a shepherd. 
I do. I've been with you in sickness. I've been with you in death. In your family struggles, I have prayed for you and counseled you. Ruth Ann and I have been through some financial hardships when you as a church struggled in supporting us. And we remained and we stood by you. We have been through some church discipline situations with you. We've been rejected by the people, some people in our community, but we continue to love you. We have experienced, or I've experienced some very strong criticism over the years in a number of ways. And I took it in stride and didn't respond. I'm the genuine shepherd here, not him. That's where Paul's coming from. He's defending his apostleship. And in defending his apostleship, he says, Satan gave me a thorn in the flesh. And we may have thorns in the flesh. We may have other thorns. How did Paul respond? We'll pick up on that next week as we reflect on the trials that we face in life. Paul asked for deliverance. God gave him a response. But in the context of years of trials and difficulty, Paul asked. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Paul. The epistles he has given to us, his writing. Thank you for his ministry as recorded in Scripture. We know because of his call, he was faithful. May we learn from Paul's ministry. May we learn from Paul's life. That he was genuine and he displayed a genuineness because he had the marks of a true apostle. May we be mindful today of recognizing teachers, those that are correct, that display the marks of being genuine. And in the midst of difficulty, we know that Paul prayed and cried out to you, asking for deliverance, and you responded. And as we go through difficulties, and we'll look at this passage in great detail next week, We find that you care when we live in a broken world and you respond when we cry out to you in a broken world. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen.